Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. It is indeed time for parenting. Our WhatsApp number is 087-1400-106. Joanna Fortune joins us once again. Afternoon, Joanna. Good afternoon, Sean. I was tidying my 10-year-old's room and without thinking, flipped through one of her doodle notebooks. It contained drawings, as I expected, but also some things she had written that left me sick with worry. She had written things like, I'm useless, I deserve to die, I should just kill myself. It wasn't a one-off entry she had written about uh, killing herself several times, not in a detailed way, but she makes reference to it when saying she has a problem, etc., as if it's the solution. She has also used swear words in her writing, which she would never say or hear, so that was a shock too. I'm at a total loss as to what to do. I feel like I don't know my child at all. Should I openly tell her I've seen it and risk her feeling like I've invaded her privacy? I have to get her help, someone to speak to about this, but I'm at a loss as to what what the next step is. I should note she has not physically ever harmed herself and seems like a happy child most of the time. She's great at school and extracurricular activities. She's a nice group of friends and I felt I'd really come a long way socially since lockdown happened. I recently had a parent-teacher meeting and her teacher agreed that she's doing really well. We do monitor her internet usage and she does not have any social media accounts. So I'm at a loss as to where these feelings are coming from. She's an only child and I also do feel guilty sometimes that she's lonely at home without a sibling. I feel like I have failed her as a mother and that her self-esteem is this low at 10 years of age. Oh my goodness and I think Crikey. you know that last line is one that really resonates quite loudly because as a parent when you discover something like this your instant experience is to be flooded with fear and then hotly on that you're mm. guilty and re- what did I do what didn't I do what can I do and so it is about taking that moment to catch your breath ground yourself and just sit with what you've discovered I don't mean you know tread water and do nothing about it just to kind of give a moment of you are overwhelmed because this is overwhelming. You didn't expect this. You thought you were opening a notebook that was going to be filled with drawings and doodles and you found this instead. And there's something about, you know, the things that you've discovered, she wrote, you know, I'm useless, I deserve to die, I should kill myself and the swear words that are not typical of her. That's not how she speaks to you, but there's something in her that needed to articulate that and she's located it in this notebook. And it's a sense of, you know, that inner voice that, and we've all had it from time to time, but that inner voice that limits and inhibits us, you know, a little bit, Sean, like being bullied from within where we are both the attacked and the attacker. Mm, simultaneously. That is exhausting as an experience, you know, to kind of be attacking oneself in that inner critic voice is very, very difficult. So there's a couple of things that I'd highlight here, like you're asking specifically, should I openly tell her you've seen it and risk her feeling that you've invaded privacy? Yes, you should openly tell her and take that risk because you have to weigh it up against the risk of not mentioning it. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. So absolutely. She's 10 years old, by the way. And it's not like you were in there snooping with an agenda. What can I discover in here today? You were tidying up. It was a very everyday thing. You know, she likes to draw and it was her doodle notebook. So you're going to tell her that straight away. You're going to say, you know, and sit with her and say, look, very directly, I saw something while tidying your room and it gave me a scare and I want to talk about it with you now. 
Okay, so you're just addressing it head on that way. You want to be very calm, keep your own facial expressions in that kind of as neutral as possible. But you're naming I got a scare Mm. so that you can say, I know I'm speaking very quickly. My voice might be higher. It's because I'm still feeling a scare from what I saw. Okay, so you can frame it that way. I'd also say you want to empathize with her struggle and don't dismiss her feelings. Why would you write these things? You're not useless. You're fantastic. We don't want to jump in and sabotage this. We want to uh, acknowledge and and do this with acceptance and empathy. You know, we want to also normalize that everyone has bad days and waves of self-doubt. That's very normal. And it is. It truly is normal that everyone has bad days. And we want that those bad days are transient. They're context specific and they're not what's pervasive in our lives. They're, They're the once in a while feeling rather than the pervasive one. But I do think, you know, you can also and it sounds from your letter, by the way, that you already are doing so much of this, but cultivate positive self-talk and how you speak about yourself, how you speak about her, you know, and that we're focusing on effort over outcome. We're focusing on what she can do because she sounds like she's really bright, really engaged Mm. and doing really well in so many places. But there is also because you say you feel like you don't know her. You do know her. This is another part of her that you hadn't considered. Yeah. And there is a part of her that is struggling, that is scared and is feeling very negatively and giving herself a very hard time. So I would say, you know, it's very helpful to focus on what's underpinning negative comments rather than the comments themselves, or at least not just the comment themselves, because negative self-talk, of course, can be a sign of stress or anxiety. So we can get curious about has there been maybe any changes, even if they seem small, in her friend group, in her social environment, in school, anything at all or family context that could have put this in place. Have you noticed that she is more anxious about the homework, even if the teacher is very happy with it, is the effort of doing things that were once easy for her becoming more notably difficult. And you can ask her when you say, look, I saw something, I'm scared and I want to talk to you. This is what I saw. Tell her specifically, can you tell me the story of what you were writing there? What was behind those words? Because I'm not yeah. sure I understand there, it. Because there must be a context about exactly. I'm useless. It's at, in some situation. And, and you come. can do that in a way that without dismissing her feelings, saying, you know, I know what it would mean if I said that about myself, but I'm not sure I understand what you mean when you say it about yourself. Mm. Can you help me understand what's behind those words? What is the story you're telling yourself when you write those words and try to get her to go a little deeper into that experience behind the comments to what is underpinning them. And I do think you're and you flag it yourself that, yes, you could and very likely should consult with a professional. Um, I do want I wanted to cover like what you can do yourself at home, because I'm also aware that consulting with professionals in child and adolescent mental health at the moment is not just as easy as picking up the phone to somebody. Not that it ever really was, but there are significant waiting lists in both private and public sector. But I would certainly want you getting on a waiting list and proactively pursuing that. But also looking at this bit at home and seeing and putting it to your daughter as well, that, you know, you're there, you're her support person, that no matter what is going on, you will find a way to support and help her. And anytime she feels like writing something down, you might want to create a shared notebook 
where she is able to write down things that maybe it's one thing to say, oh, wouldn't it be great if she could tell you some things are very hard to articulate and speak and it's easier to write them down. So if you have a notebook and let her know that she can write things in that notebook, you will read the notebook and you will write something back to her. Okay, and that you guys can have this place where things that are hard to say can be put and then you can bring it up with her and say, "Okay, we're going to sit down and talk about the notebook stuff now and talk about what's in it. So you're letting her know, yes, keep writing if that's what helps you, because maybe it is helping her to write this down. But it won't be just between you and the notebook. I'm going to pick that up and I'm going to work with you on helping us understand what's happening. The use of a phrase. Um. I should just kill myself. Mm. Is that necessarily, I mean, not to, I'm not trying to downplay the seriousness of this, sure. but, but it can be a phrase kids use yeah. uh, uh, yeah, rather than meaning it literally. If you know and that's I mean. funny you say that because actually I do infer that from this parent has written, you know, not in a detailed way, yeah. that there hasn't been a plan detailed. That said, I would take the word seriously, of oh, course. Oh, no, it's not and, so, yeah. and I would also, they'll be saying sometimes children are saying this and they mean it. And sometimes children are saying this because behind it is a way of, I just want this feeling to end. I just don't want to feel this way anymore. So again, approaching this with curiosity, but approaching it is definitely what you want to do. Uh, somebody speculating perhaps the, the, the girl left it out for the mother to find deliberately. That is absolutely possible. Yeah. Uh, it happened to myself, they say, and my husband. We found a diary like this. I think my daughter was relieved when we found yeah. it and everything is 100% better now. Yeah. So that uh, could be a possibility. Now, uh, next question. Uh, is it a bad idea to buy a five-year-old girl a makeup case as a present? She shows an interest in her mum and Nana's makeup and is always asking to try on nail polish and lipstick. Is it harmless? And should I let her use it for play once it's non-toxic? Or is it sending the wrong message to her that she needs uh, makeup to be beautiful or placing too much benefit, uh, emphasis on her looks? It's such a good question. And especially at this time of year, because mm. our kids are going to start asking us for things that they want. They're going to start writing letters to Santa for things that they want. <laughs> you say that as if that's something that's going to happen in the future. <laughs> Many of us made sure that those letters were done before a couple of weeks ago. But, you know, they are going to. And sometimes they're going going to ask Santa for something that they might know mums and dads might say no to, but I'm going to put this out there. So Mm. we do want to be able to think, well, how do I feel about what's being asked for and why? I'd say the why is important here. Um, Small children, and this isn't a gendered thing, by the way, this, you know, you're going to see all children show an interest in things like makeup and dressing up. And it's not that they're interested in makeup and looking beautiful because of makeup. It's they're interested in the rituals and routines of their parents and what they see us parents doing. So when there's, you know, preening and, you know, in your dressing gown and parading around with the like it's some kind of a, a, a big cape behind them, they're being you. Mm. They're trying to look at your characteristics, your traits. They're especially at this age of five. This is exactly what we would want to see is role playing and developmental role play isn't just about those pretty, you know, Disneyfied costumes out there. It's also about the real life stuff. And I would be saying yes, because if you if you don't, if you don't get, you know, I'm going to say I want to say children's makeup. But what I mean is that non-toxic option that's safe for them. 
they're just going to find their way into your toiletry bag and I don't know how you're going to feel about the stuff that you yeah, have yeah, getting, getting used experimentally versus this. So I don't think there's any harm in it. I think it is play. I think you can meet her in the plays. So if she does get a makeup kit, you know, as a gift that you can be her customer, you can be her client, you can role play out salons, you can role play out at home getting ready to go out, that you can use it to actually enter into her play experience with her and to meet her in that. I think that's lovely because makeup or, you know, toys or props, that isn't where our children get messages about themselves, their self-esteem, their bodies from. They get them from us. Mm -hmm. So actually giving a child makeup or anything like that to play with, you know, hair, little wooden hair dryers and combs, things that isn't saying how you look is the most important thing about you because The item doesn't have that much power. It's how we engage with it, how we introduce it, how we model, how we use these things ourselves. That's what really matters. So you're still the one who's going to influence that message and you can do that. Yeah. Okay. So perhaps not, you know, if you're if you're playing these little scenarios out with your daughter, not too much just an, oh, my God, you look fabulous. 100%. Exactly. So that's exactly it. So you're going to watch going, you know, now we're ready to go out. Oh, I really like those colours you've chosen. Oh, you're really going big on the cheeks today or whatever it is. You have really (laughs) rosy cheeks and you're not saying how beautiful. Oh, wait, we forgot this. We can't go out without lipstick. We're not putting those kinds of phrases in there. We're just being playful with it. Yeah. My, uh, speaking of rosy cheeks, my three-year-old daughter <laughs> loves to have her finger up her nose. She's not rooting around or picking it. It's like she's simply storing it there, like a little finger pocket. She'll be watching telly and it's in her nose, motionless. It's a weird comfort thing, I guess. But is there a way to swap it for something else? <laughs> Prof- <laughs> or train her out to not do it? It's rather disgusting. I don't know if something else is a good idea. <laughs> I, I, yeah, yeah, be careful what you wish for. I do think, you know, Children are innately curious about their bodies. And at this stage, three years old, they love exploring and playing with themes that establish inside and outside because developmentally their play is about I have an inside of me and there is a skin that contains me and marks where I end and the world and people outside of me begin. And I'm experimenting with inside and outside. The nose is a great middle ground for that. Yeah, okay, yeah. And I notice she isn't picking it, by the way. She is just resting her finger there. It's so funny that we're thinking about this because I, I and you know the way we all say our phones are listening to us all the time because they are. But I, someone else must have asked me a question around this kind of thing because oh, right. some gadgety thing appeared on my phone, which was just like a little silicone thing where you can just stick your finger in it. I think it was actually part of breastfeeding, weaning or something like that. It was a strange little thing for kids to hold and squeeze Um, and just rest their hand or finger in and it was a silicone substitute. So there are all kinds of gadgets. But what I'm going to say to you apart from that is a fidget toy of any kind, because that's basically what that is. It's a glorified fidget toy. Um, But a fidget toy and you can she can have that. She can fiddle around with it. She can occupy her fingers because really it's about a distraction thing. Mm. And what you can say is when you see her doing this, you can interrupt her by saying, can you clap your hands? Can you wave your hands? Can you wiggle your fingers? Can you lift your hands up? Can you put them down, up, down, rest them on your lap, hold them on your lap, put them up, put them down, rest them again. And you're just interrupting that impulse that she's currently having to rest her finger up her nose nose. by doing other things. But don't give out. Don't scold it. Don't chastise it. Because actually, she's not mindful of what she's doing. It is in times of distraction. And when they're in that time, you want to use redirection more Mm. than any other kind of correction piece. Um, 
Because, you know, it's funny you're saying it's a weird comfort thing because so much of what brings us comfort or brings comfort to one person is experienced as weird to another. Like we'll all as people have comfort techniques yeah. that you go, really? Sounds, yeah, that that it, comforts you? Or, yeah, because yeah. it sounds a bit like sucking your thumb. It's totally. Just, yeah. And it is that except, and I'm not saying sucking your thumb is any better, by the way, because you could we equally get letters from people and we have to cut that yeah, one out. Yeah. But it's just something that's giving her a little bit of comfort. Substitute it with a fidget toy or, a, you know, a nice uh, material blanket she can rub. Anything like that um, is going to be appropriate. I know that it might look a little gross, <laughs> but actually that like the concern people have with thumb sucking is that can affect your teeth yeah. and that kind of stuff. Maybe, like, it's not actually doing her any physical harm. Not that you're saying, you know, grind when you're 20, go to job <laughs> interviews like that. But, but at, no, at the I, moment... I mean, there's always a risk that little three-year-old hands get in all kinds of interesting places. Yeah, yeah it's pretty because, manky. You know, yeah. that, so there may be a dirty finger going up a nose and we may be transferring bacteria from the environment to the nose, the nose back out, the nose, the finger then goes to the mouth for mm. eating and there hasn't been a whole lot in between. So just keep an eye on the hand sanitizer, the hand washing um, as well when you see this, because that's that's a good point. Kids, but kids, they're curious little beings. They explore in a very physical, tactile way. So there's nothing wrong with what she's doing, but you can maybe short circuit it or interrupt it with an alternative distraction behaviour. Jer says, just going back to the 10-year-old and her her, uh, diary uh, opening, I'm sure, I know I might be uh, out of touch a little, uh, but how can a parent invade a 10-year-old's space? Surely that's a parent's job. Oh, I don't disagree with that, actually. That's what I think, you know, I think as as children enter into their early adolescence and teenage years developmentally, they crave more privacy Mm. from parents. It's part of developing autonomy and independence and separating out from parents. But at 10, we are still very much there to guide and inform. And, you know, we're actively in there. Not unusual for 10 year olds to begin to pull away from parents and begin to prioritize outside world and peers over parents and be like, that's my business, not yours. And you can get a little bit of that coming in. But, you know, it doesn't mean that we, I can't tell you I read this. I read it. I read it because it was there and I thought it was a doodle notebook and I love looking at your drawings. Is open and it's honest and you haven't breached anything with that because she's 10 years old. Yeah, fair enough. Joanna, thanks a million for coming in to us today. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2pm. On News Talk.